0: So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Today with me is the wonderful and highly energetic Sima Newell. And she's the founder of Executive Reflections. She coaches senior leaders worldwide through burnout so that they can thrive again professionally and personally. And she does this through the lens of boundaries, resilience, identity, various tools and evolution. And Sima developed the so-called bright method after her own executive burnout from a toxic environment led her to ask, how could this really happen? So the strength she really brought to the table in order to reflect and think upon how now to grow Based on this really traumatic um, experience, and what to do with this experience, and actually to see what doors suddenly open up for her—that is uh, just incredible and so inspirational to listen to. Her personal vision is of a world with healthier leadership, fostering connected innovative, and high-performance workplaces. Sima holds a Master of Electrical Engineering from McGill from Canada. She now lives in Switzerland with her husband and daughter. And it's so wonderful to get to know Sima on a very personal level here today talk to her about this experience of leadership burnout how you really notice that you may be experiencing burnout but most importantly what can you do about it once you got to that stage what are the choices you still have And actually, what can you learn from it as well to increase your overall quality of life? These are just some of the topics we are going to talk about. She is giving us a very uh, real insight into her experience Mm -hmm. and what led to that burnout and how she felt in that moment. But we are also talking about how we can all get in our own way. So, for example, what's the difference between having a high standard and building some very unhealthy perfectionism? Or what are our own experiences and expectations on and off leadership, how we should be in comparison to how we do want to be and how we actually can get the best out of people. So um, this and many, many other topics we are going to be chatting about here in today's episode. So the only thing that I can tell you now is have fun listening to the show and I'm curious to hear all about your learnings and your little aha moments that you may be taking away from it so speak to you again in a moment. Well hello and for you and me good evening today. Hi Sima. Hello thank you Kathleen. It is, it's dark already. When did we connect for the first time? Was it like two or three weeks ago? It's, Something it like hasn't that. Yeah. been long. No. And the first time I met you during this chemistry chat that I usually have with my guests, uh, there was this immediate connection. But, you know, what I left with in particular was a lot of positivity. And then I started to follow you on LinkedIn. Not that it sounds so stalkery. I'm, I'm not a stalker, but you pop up on a very regular basis with some amazing stories and insights and openness. And again, the one thing that resonates with me is just this amount of uh, positivity and can-do attitude. It's incredible. And I keep wondering, how does she do that? Where is it coming from? So that's my first question for you, well, the second. Where is it coming from?
1: <laughs> Where is it coming from? Somewhere deep inside. I like to see a good world and I like to see a better world. And I, I'm a very creative person. So I always there are always multiple sides to everything. Right. And there's always for every negative, there's, there's a positive, you know, I was just telling you before that my daughter was saying about, you know, is this a bad person or is this somebody who's just been hurt? And, you know, maybe that's why they're acting this way. And and so I think that there's always, there's always a reason and there's always a way through. And I I guess people say I glide like a swan. (laughs) you (laughs) want like my feet maybe they're going under the water you know and I'm just kind of gliding but I don't like most of the time I don't feel like I'm paddling that hard maybe I'm just terribly efficient and other people I think wow if I was doing that I'd be paddling really hard but sometimes when you're in your your zone it just feels easy so I don't know
0: I love Um, that you're saying that you know what there's a reason for it right um Before I share with you the reason, I just want to highlight your daughter is 10. You have those conversations, those very deep conversations with your 10-year-old.
1: Yes, sometimes when when we're not talking about, you know, the silly, you know, lunchroom table humor and stuff. But yes, (laughs) she has her moments. I found soup made out of makeup in the washroom the other day. So, you know, it wasn't my makeup. This, you know, so with us. Well, yeah, one of those like gifts from Claire's or whatever that they, why, does it, why is there a makeup soup? So, you know, parenting is parenting, right? <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> but at the same time, you mentioned this wonderful story that you take her to school, you drive her to school mm-hmm. in the mornings. And those are those moments of perhaps more deeper conversations, real listening. So again, before I delve into, I'm so glad you're yeah. talking about flow. Are you using as a mom those moments with your daughter? What are you chatting about, and what's the impact those conversations have on the relationship between the two of you and her?
1: You know, I I guess I think to my mentors and to people that have really inspired me, and people like uh, Brene Brown and Marisa Peer, and they always talk about I am enough, and if there's something that I think my a gift that my parents gave me was that they always said Seema no matter what you want if you put your mind to it you can do it. And that gave me a real sense and I'm sure we'll get into some of the life challenges I've had. And you know, but that's given me a real compass and a real direction, a real sense of being grounded that I can do what I want, that I can make things happen. And I want my daughter to also have that sense that no matter what makeup soup she makes, she's worthy, you know, that she's, she's, um, she's enough that she has, she, look, I'm an engineer by training. She hates math, right? Like, so I'm not going to sit there and go, how is it possible that you hate math? And she's a brilliant singer. And so I, and so I, you know, encourage the artistic side. And then, yes, sometimes she has these deep conversations or these deep questions and so we will go into them and I kind of let her lead like I don't want to go into something that she's not ready for I'm taking already
0: quite a bit away as a mom Uh, so my little one is only two you know and so fast yeah now I'm saying so easily you know whatever he wants to do I just want him to believe in himself and knowing that we believe in him as parents and I don't know what then the reality is going to be like. My my husband asked me the other day, what if he uh, approached you and said, I want to be a motorbike racer. And I'm like, all right. I mean, yeah. you know, if that's what he truly wants, I will support him. I will be the most worried mom probably sitting there and praying, despite the fact that I don't usually <laughs> do that, and probably bite <laughs> all my nails and so on. Yeah but I want to do that, but that's no theory. It's not yet the reality. So I'm always wondering how other parents are doing it and really instill this self-worth, this belief in oneself as well, that I believe is so important.
1: I never taught her she had to color in the lines. You know, they always say, Oh, but you colored outside the lines. It's like, do what you want. You're two, right? You're three, like make art, go have fun. (laughs) There will be a time that comes when you have to be precise. And then we will focus on how to be precise and, and, and I don't know. They'll go through so many changes between now and when they decide to ride motorbike. I I try not to think about it. I've told her. I mean, on these deep conversations about some of the crazy things that I did as a teenager, that are like, really, you just sort of go, what was I thinking? And you just realize that your neocortex just wasn't fully formed, and you know, it just wasn't <laughs> online, and you know, your brain was still developing. And we're just, you know, and yet, we're all human, right? We've all been there.
0: And I would imagine that you have some really cool memories from those experiences as well.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now let me come back to the flow statement, uh, because you said, you know, am I too efficient? But I just kind of feel in flow and it just, you know, flows nicely. And actually yesterday I had a conversation with um, a woman in leadership and she said to me, I, you know, now I need the next challenge. Now that I've overcome the last challenge, I need something new and I need to make sure I have that on my list and that I work towards it. So we explored a little bit, oh, where it was coming from, what creates mm-hmm. that need for that sense of urgency. And she said, well, you know, standing still is not right. I feel it feels too easy. And I said, ooh exciting so what does easy mean is it this state of ease where we feel the flow and things come more Mm. easily to us and actually that's quite cool and we can have a choice how we want to use our time and just you know be more and think and be creative or whatever or is it that sense of ease where you feel literally not challenged at all anymore and moves into this monotone way of being that feels almost like demotivating and can feel a little bit frustrating but what are the different signals that our body sends us as well that kind of show us and demonstrate us you know this is the the, the state you are in and this is what you need to do so question for you how do you know when you are in flow versus not stretched enough
1: oh it's so rare that I'm not stretched enough (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm joking a bit I, I have a A real sense of that. So I have this theory and it works that time follows energy. So when people come to me and say, I I'm too busy, I have too much. It's usually because I've got energy drains. And if you're managing your energy, both the ups and the downs, you always wind up with enough time. And I've been in situations. I remember when I finished my master's and I first moved here to Switzerland And I took three months off, I was tired, like I just took three months off. And then I came to a point where I was bored. And then I knew it was time to go again, you know, like really work wise and and take off. So there's, you know, the normal day to day, like being busy, being engaged, having fun, like, it's what you said, you know, positive, like, are you feeling good? If you're not feeling good, (laughs) then do you need to do more or less or cram more in or cram less in in order to wind up feeling good? And it's sort of um it's an iterative thing, right? So like my daughter had um we had a scout booth at her school's winter fair on Saturday which is partly why my voice is a bit hoarse because we were screaming it was so loud and I'm an introvert so like this was you know the introvert's nightmare is a a school event with children and you know and yet it was a lovely event because everybody was happy they loved our booth it was fun it was great for the girls they they were learning how to do shopkeeping how to engage with people how to do all that so that was great and I planned Sunday off. You know, I had people asking me for calls and whatever. And I'm like, I'm sorry, it's going to be next week. It will, I'm not doing this on Sunday. Like even friends, I was just down because I knew I needed to stop running. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that in advance. So I did. And that's why I'm able to run again this week. And it's it's good. You know, it's so I
0: mean, important. I was talking to a group of women yesterday about the importance of selfishness. And not giving this negative connotation to being selfish, actually the need for it, as you've just described it.
1: Mm -hmm. There's research out of Harvard. So Michael Jensen on integrity. And I don't know if you're aware of it, Kathleen. I'm aware of some research around selfishness. And he was showing that there was a 300 percent on average increase of productivity with no change in input when you stay in integrity, and that includes integrity to yourself. So integrity, not in the ethical sense, but in the whole. So being whole, honoring your word, honoring your commitments, and that means honoring your commitment to self as well as other people. So you can't always put your commitments to everybody else before yours. And you, it's sort of the other way of saying selfish in that you have to be able to honor your commitments to yourself and you'll be a ton more productive and it will feel fun. When you, when you get the balance. I mean, everything, there's a bit of a learning curve, right?
0: One piece you mentioned is uh, very important to be tuned in for yourself. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. said, I knew in yeah. advance that this is what I needed. And to tune in there ahead of time and then to say, okay, Sunday, I have this, I create this opportunity for me. Yeah. Where I clearly say no to
1: offers. Mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah. And I do it in my week too. Like, my Tuesdays are my creative days, and I don't take calls, I don't, like, I viciously protect my Tuesday calendars, and it's so tempting, because it's free, right? So, oh, when could you meet, and there's going to be a group, and so, of course, Tuesday is wide open, and I could do any time, and I really very, very rarely give up a Tuesday spot, and then I have time to write like those LinkedIn posts and I have time to think about where I want to go. And so even the ebb and flow of my week, there's sort of a um, uh, way, I guess, of, of running it and managing it so that, yeah, I stay positive, as you said at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. what of you know? the secrets.
0: Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I assume there has been a path for you to learn how to be more intentional about your time, your boundaries in mm. general. Um, and we are going to be delving into that in a short moment. One quick story I wanted to share with you based on you saying school events and I'm an introvert. I am an extrovert, an introvert and extrovert, I would say. I need my withdrawn time and thinking time and space as well. But I love to mingle and be out there and have a lot of people around me and get to know them better. And I noticed it can sometimes be a bit overwhelming to others. So now in kindergarten, I actually see some some parents, my particular moms, looking at me like, "What does she want from me?" They feel scared. <laughs> they look scared, literally in their yeah. facial expressions. In the beginning, wow. I thought, "Oh, um, where is that coming from?" Right? Um, maybe they have a bad day or so. And then I thought, maybe I'm simply a bit too out there from time to time. My extroversion, mm. which I can be. And I'm dealing with, you know, more introverts or people who simply need this space now and get out of the kindergarten and kind of decompress to some extent. And just being more aware of that helps me in so many areas of life. I mean, that wasn't the first moment where I thought there's a difference in personalities. But again, in all areas of life, it's so important to pay attention to different energy levels, what people need. And in particular, in this case... Not necessarily making it about yourself, but understanding well what do other people need in the, those moments.
1: Well, especially you're off work, right? So, yeah. you know, you're a coach and you're spending the whole day in flow with other people and looking at them and making sure that it's all going well and there's a nice rapport <laughs> and everybody's happy and everybody's had the opportunity to talk and then finally you get to go out and see other parents <laughs> and you're like, "What? I still have to do that?" You know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's, it's- and I I guess I'm kind of the opposite. Like I'm I am introverted and that's how I recharge. And yet I'm not like so bookish and so quiet that I wasn't able to do what I wound up doing, you know. Like I would I've always been out there, I've always been presenting, I've always been, you know, claiming space. <laughs> yeah.
0: Gosh, we have been talking about claiming space lately a lot. Yes, <laughs> Since we have the particular <laughs> episode of Let Me. Yeah. What does it mean for you to claim space in any roles that you have had in the past, your current path that you are on? What does it mean?
1: I think it loops back around to exactly what you were talking about before, which is finding that balance between self and other, like finding that balance for yourself. And making sure that, you know, it's like putting your own oxygen mask on before you can help others. So making sure that you have your presence and that that is, depending on the role and the function you're playing, that your authority is, is taken correctly so that you can have the impact you want or so that you can support other people to have the impact that they want or need. And and so it's a, it's a bit of a dance isn't it between like that self but not for the selfish like cuz i'm important kind of reason it's it's more the roles that you play i had a i had a mentor that told me that the her best management leadership training was being a parent and this was way before i was a parent and now you know going back to what we're talking about it's kind of the same thing like you know there's a time with your children to be listening and then there's a time to be authoritative and and that's all about space claiming
0: and I think even without necessarily listening so in the non-verbal language there's so much leadership you can show
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the way you are simply being with them yeah right in yeah. the way you show support and empathy mm-hmm. Well, my son's doctor said to me today in his wild time now, my little one is, is a wild one, um, <laughs> full of energy. And she said, you know, um, don't take everything so seriously. Let him get off with a few things as well, and let him just, you know, make mistakes and learn from them, and without standing behind him saying, Oh, this is what you must do, and this yeah. is what you must not do, and give him this this bit of freedom as well to explore and i think that's also connected with with mm-hmm. leadership
1: yeah absolutely oh, yeah. letting other people grow
0: and i would say just from the pre pre conversation that we have had you have grown a lot <laughs> through ups and downs and that moves us slowly but surely into your story and if you if you don't mind let's move from the present state a little bit towards the past state and perhaps we start by sharing you sharing with the audience what is it you are doing at the moment how are you helping people in this world
1: so right now I I'm an executive coach and I support leaders through burnout Um, and especially what I've come to term complex burnout which isn't just I've been overworked and I've been burning the candle at both ends for too long. It's that plus a whole slew of other potential challenges like you're in a toxic environment or you have a manipulative boss or you're being harassed or you have a sick family member Or you're raising small children and taking care of elderly parents or, you know, there are a lot of things that can go on or you have an illness. You know, there, there can be a lot of things that go on at the same time of all the work pressures. And that can make it very hard to get back to that positive state, to get to get through that and to really be able to look inwards to go, how how do I have to show up and how do I have to be in order to thrive again, and even go further, you know. So that's, that's my gig. And I love it. And it's just amazing to see people go from these, like, these states where you just think, wow, that's tough, you know, you are in a really difficult place to somewhere where they're going, oh, and I've got this, and I've got that lined up, and this is going well, and they're gliding too, you know, and they're really in their own zone and their own flow. And there's a way to do that. And a path to get there. And it's just, I'm just grateful that I can do that.
0: Oh, it sounds, it sounds brilliant. I mean, not the experience of leadership or complex burnout, (laughs) but the way you've just described it and that indeed there's a way out of it. There's a light at the end Mm. of the tunnel can be at least, but, but I've just looked a little bit skeptical slash thoughtful, skeptical is the wrong word because the thoughtfulness came from reflections upon what you said, because there were quite a few external factors you mentioned Mm -hmm. that may not be completely in our control, if if at all. And I think, not just, I think that sounds difficult to me to manage and to get to a point where you see steps forward again. So it it would be fantastic to learn a little bit more about those complex burnouts and um, not just what it is, but how does it kind of appear what's contributing to it apart from the examples that you've just mentioned is it gradual process for example how do we notice it's there and then obviously what steps can we take to get out of it contacting zima obviously that's (laughs) one of them
1: obviously those are i mean those are really important questions because there's what happens externally and then there's our inner game right? And there's what what our reactions are, what our feelings are about things, what we're telling ourselves, all of that inner dialogue that goes on, all the meaning that we make. Like The people that I talk to tend to tell me that they've lost confidence. They've lost confidence in themselves. And they're afraid that they're, they're seeing red flags again and they don't know what to do they've just changed jobs and they're seeing red flags again they don't know what to do and when you're in that fear it's what you were saying before like you can communicate with words but your body language your tonality all of that makes a much bigger impact on on how people are reacting to you and therefore the opportunities you're getting your your sense of self confidence your sense of self worth so if it starts to erode it can spiral down for no other reason than you're just in a bad loop you know and it it's our it's 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 how our brains are wired it's our reticular activating system right that that picks out what we focus on so the more you're focusing on these issues on problems, which you have to, because you've got to solve them. And at the same time, the more you're focusing on them, the less you're seeing all of that stuff. So I, you know, all the good things are all the opportunities. And I thought it was so funny at the beginning that you were saying that my, I seem so positive because all my posts right there about manipulation and toxic behavior and burnout. And I'm like, this is positive. Well, I'm glad it comes through that way because that's the, that's the balance and the integration that, that kind of has to happen.
0: And do you know how the positivity comes out? A, you are an amazing storyteller. So you go through the story of mm. challenges and then the learnings and insights, right? Right. And the other piece is nonverbal communication. So you don't chat as such on LinkedIn. You share the stories, obviously. Yeah. But it's the pictures. It's the tonality, as you've just right. mentioned. You yeah. can package it in a way that you still say, Oh wow! This is really cool. <laughs> Actually, really inspirational. Thank you. I That's really the key. That. No, ah. not very honest feedback. Um, I every day I get my little energy boost by seeing good. some of those posts. It's incredible. good.
1: Yeah. So I mean, all that to say that yes, you have to you have to look inwards and most of the, I mean, I, how many leadership development courses did I go on in my career, right? In management development and I helped craft them. I helped design them. And there we talk personalities, obviously. Okay. And then we talked skills and practice and role-playing and all of this stuff. And that's great. And yet, if you have an inner dialogue of, is this going to work? How am I being perceived? Is it okay? uh, am I, am I going to be able to keep this role? You know, I've, I've got a mortgage to pay. I'm, I'm worried. I'm afraid. All of that is going to absolutely cloud how you are perceiving the world and then how the world's perceiving you. And the, the key is to go inside and shift that. And that's why, like, that's what coaching is, right? Like, that's what, what we do is to, to get behind the surface and be able to really go deep and, and make those shifts. And in order to make those shifts, I always
0: say, start small,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And then take the next step and the next step and stay on track towards yeah. progression and change. What is one small step that people can take when they find themselves into uh, in a space of real burnout?
1: Give yourself permission to be and to do some self-care. Like, just go outside in nature or just take, like, it's going to feel very counterintuitive because you're like, I can't, I've got this, I've got this pressure, I've got that. And yet just intentionally take that, take a little bit of space. Like, that's the smallest step is like, you're worth a little bit of space, go take some for you. If that is, you know, a spa moment, if that is a walk in the park, if that is a moment, just getting a bit of exercise, if it's just drinking a nice cup of tea or lighting a smelly candle or whatever, (laughs) scented, I guess is the right word, right? Then take a little like that incremental time, because like I said before, time follows energy. So when you replenish your energy, you get a lot more time back, you get that mental space to start start thinking like I think that would be the smallest piece and that's not going to turn your world around right like that's a small piece and yet it's a movement in the right direction
0: you mentioned those energy drains now for the second or third time right and it's something I completely resonate with that's really important to pay attention to those and to eliminate them as much as possible mm-hmm. from your day-to-day. Dr. Bernie Brown speaks about the, the square where he says, yeah. you know, what kind of people do you fit in this teeny tiny, I think, two-inch square um, who are the ones that give you energy, that are so your supporters and so on. And I think the people who are not in there can also be energy drains. Absolutely. People literally suck the energy out of you yes. for various reasons. What from your experience either with your clients or your own experience describes energy drains? What would exam- would be examples for them?
1: It's anything that really doesn't light you up. Like if you think back to a time where you were like, I've got this, I'm on fire, I am, you know, amazing. This was like this went exactly the way I wanted, and you really felt good. That's like one end of the scale. and then the other end is this the the stuff where you're just like, really? you know, so from a people perspective, I mean, the worst ones are going to be when you're really dealing with toxic people and you're walking on eggshells and you're just you 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 don't even it's unpredictable. It's like you know, a good restaurant is predictable. It may not be the best food, but it's predictable. and when you've got somebody <laughs> who's really unpredictable, um, that's kind of that's really draining. And then you can go up a little bit from that, which is they're predictable and they're 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 going to kind of vampire from you and like just try to lean on you and take and take, and take and take and take and take and take and take and take. And and you know, you've got a whole group over there. And then at the other end, who are your allies? Like who can help you? Who who in your in your professional network, in your personal network? A lot of times when you're in these situations, you're not spending as much time outreaching to the people who are really going to really going to help so there really is that spectrum and even when you have a bit of that mental space to to look at those um, another exercise that I love to do is I call it the 24 hours in a day exercise which is if your days were infinitely long how would you actually spend them and how much time would you actually spend on the hobbies right like I like gardening, but I wouldn't do seven days a week, eight hours a day gardening. I might like my ideal world. Maybe I would do half a day gardening, and maybe I would do, you know, watercolors a couple hours, three nights a week. And maybe, and when you start to realize, then you can go, well, hold on. I don't actually need to free up all my time for all these, this long list of things that I don't have time for. Yeah. If I can free up half an hour of something I don't like, like, okay, then there's the non people stuff. You know, for me, it's anything administrative. Anything where I have to do like just basic admin, if you can just delegate a bit of that or automate it, you know, get your bank stuff paid automatically, that's not just going to free up the half hour, it's going to free up the time that you were fretting about it, the coffee time that you wasted worrying because you were about to do it, then the time you actually did it, then the time to recover after. You could be gardening or watercoloring or doing what it is that you like, whether that's sports or something, you know, so getting kind of real about those things helps too.
0: And, and I think you mentioned it, but the same applies to work. Yeah. Right? And what I often hear is, yeah, but I can't do this. <laughs> when when you find yourself, that's now for the listeners saying, but I can't do this. I can't delegate a certain task to someone else. We have another hiring freeze and we have that and that. Yeah. Okay. Well, reflect upon why are you doing this particular task? Is it really that important? doesn't need to be done is there anybody around who Mm -hmm. actually enjoys exactly those talks exactly who gain energy from it chances are there are we just are not
1: taking the time to talk about
0: it that
1: was one thing that i i eventually realized like the penny finally dropped was that going back to personalities like some people love this stuff And that's amazing because then they're happy they're feeling their their energy tank is filling and you're feeling your energy tank is filling and i think when i first started uh in my first management role giving away administrative tasks i felt like i was burdening somebody Mm. you know and actually if you find the right person they're walking away dancing and happy at the end of the day because they got all these things done and they were able to support somebody and they felt good and you know now that i've talked to people like that I understand that the meaning that i'm making of this is not feeling good that's my meaning it's not universal
0: now we are moving slowly but surely a little bit into your past and sticking with burnout i mean your experience and focus on burnout doesn't uh, just come out of the blue i woke Uh, up one morning like that yeah (laughs) Yeah. i just thought let's focus (laughs) focus on on complex burnout burnout. let's have to crack with others um, no, I mean you have experienced it yeah. yourself, right? And if you don't mind, and as far as you obviously feel comfortable to talk about it, would you mind sharing your story of burnout
1: with us? Yeah, with pleasure. And I think it's an important one to share, and that's why I I have done so even publicly before. And so I was I was CIO in an international organization. Uh, for a long time, and you kind of think like nobody messes with IT, right? So I'm an engineer by training. Nobody's going to mess with IT. Like your computers are running, your networks are running, people's phones work. They're happy. And I coast. I mean, I didn't coast. We did a lot of good things, but I kind of coasted in that nobody's going to mess with me for a long time until I met the person who messed with me, and I was harassed for uh, two and a half years by my supervisor um so very senior person and i can say that because i won my tribunal case so i can i don't even have to say you know I, she was kind of doing that no i was actually harassed and i reported it because to me that was the leadership thing to do right like i knew i couldn't be alone even though one of the tactics is always isolation and i was being isolated and i was told don't communicate to these people and don't include those people and i want to make sure and a lot of micromanagement there was a lot that that went on with that and I felt, well, hold on, this isn't right. Like this, we are, you know, in this administrative wing of the organization where IT lives, we are responsible for these roles. And so, like, let me uphold them. Let me try to make this better. And that led to a big spiral. But the the harassment itself led me to burnout leave. And, you know, I'm driven, <laughs> I've always been a high flyer. I've always been go go go. I I can take apparently I can, you know, tread like a swan and it's all fine and then one day I walked into I mean I knew it wasn't fine because I was always stressed and I was always walking on eggshells and I and I and I could not figure out how to navigate this particular situation. And then one day I walked into my one of my direct reports office to talk with her and I could see her lips moving. And I couldn't hear what she was saying. And the world was spinning. And I thought, this, this is really like, this is it. This is bad. So I had my, my lovely assistant at the time brought me to medical services. And my blood pressure was sort of through the roof. Um, and they had me lie down for a while. And then I went to my physician. And I wound up on medical leave for seven months. I mean, I was never sick, right? How was that for you? weird like very abrupt and strange because going back to you know your work is your community right you see everybody every day and you know there's the ups and the downs and the dramas and this and how are we going to do that and all that positive stuff that you want and then all of a sudden like you just don't talk to anybody for a long time and you sort of focus on what's going on in your immediate environment and it was scary because my brain wasn't working so I mean one of my worst moments was I went to the ATM and I put my card in the bank machine and I put my card in and I took out 400 Swiss francs and I left without the money oh wow you know I would leave my handbag places I would leave my keys places and like I'm in it I I'm on top of things. Normally, I'm, you know, I'm pretty uh, coherent. I guess we all have our moments, but I'm not like that. And then I thought, am I? you know, you sort of go, am I ever going to be able to work again? And I, my husband had, had lost his job. So I was the breadwinner. We had a young child. I had a mortgage. I had all of that complex situation, right? So aging parents, the whole picture was there. So how do I keep this position with this person I can't work with? what do I do? So on the one hand, it, I, I have a very nice memory because it was it was the summer of 2015 and it was so hot. It was 40 degrees out Celsius here and it was just baking and I had time and I could get out biking and I could do all this. And then at the same time, it was just constant uncertainty, right? Unpredictability of how am I going to actually get through this? And what are my options and what's my course of action and how am I and so it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Don't recommend.
0: I mean, the, the uh, summer sounds pretty nice. Cycling summer with summer. Summer.
1: yeah. No,
0: but I'm, I'm making that was a very inappropriate joke for the situation <laughs> you were actually in.
1: Typical <laughs> yeah. me. But... I made it first. I mean, and that's <laughs> the positivity, right? Like it, I, I never see everything as, it's not all black or white. There were some some good moments in there. And I have some very nice memories of just sitting out in the garden and the sun and just, and I love sewing, you know, my creative side, I love sewing historical costumes. And I would go to the, to the antique shop and they have this special deal where you can get for a hundred francs, you can fill up an entire bag of, was it a hundred? It couldn't even be like 20 francs. You could fill up an entire (laughs) bag of pieces of fabric. And then, you know, I had a great summer on the personal side, because I think I had invested in that bank enough. And suddenly I was given the clearance to, you will not worry about this. Go recover. Like refill your tank. So I did. And that was lovely. I, I go back to what you said before. I was all go,
0: go. I was yeah. ambitious. And yeah. now this moment happens where you suddenly see somebody's face, but you can't hear anything anymore. Your blood pressure goes through the roof. And you are at home. Yeah. On you are on medical leave. And and I wonder, being an ambitious person and all go myself, how you go from this state to that state. And and how this transition, so to say, is working initially before you realize, oh, this is quite nice to sit in the garden and actually have the sun shining onto my face. Now, how do you start to slow down into
1: Simply stop. So, and this comes around to I guess to some of the inner work. And I had started some of the inner work without really paying attention to it, maybe before that point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Stephen Covey's big stones, like what are your big stones? Mm-hmm. And and when your parent, you've got a big stone. So my daughter was, and I knew that no matter what, I had to be there for her. Um, I had to be a strong mom for her. I got to spend more time with her. That was like, so there was a silver lining that I could see and I could focus in on, on that. And I wasn't well, right? Like I was exhausted. So I would take naps all afternoon. So it wasn't like I had the whole day, every day to go, go, go. I didn't have the... I was depleted. I didn't have the capacity to do that either. You know, like if you get a flu, you think, wow, it's great. I've got a week off, but it's not great. You're not feeling well. Right. So it's there. Maybe you will get a few of the, you know, the things, the chores around the house done that you thought you could get done while you're home, but it's not, it's not like the sort of idyllic. I'm feeling really well. And I have my time off equation, And some of it, you know, one of the important words that I said was permission and I had permission from the doctor to just not engage at work with all these people who were. it felt very tormenting and that's why i said before you have to give yourself permission to have that space because you don't need somebody else to give you permission we're all adults right and yet giving yourself that permission to be a little bit selfish to have that space. like if i had known that earlier i might not have gotten to that point i didn't see i didn't know the earth was flat and i was going to fall off the edge you know i thought it was round i thought it would come back around and it would be okay but no my earth happened to be flat and i fell off the cliff
0: i said to you in our pre-chat that i experienced uh if you can call it that softer version of burnout Mm. as to the version Mm -hmm. you have just described. And, and I I was also wondering, I had parallel uh, thoughts around might I'm being, might I head towards it again at the moment, Mm because the things you were describing around um, forgetting stuff, leaving money in the ATM and so on. Yeah. (laughs) Recently happening quite often. And I had to reschedule calls with you twice because right. I don't feel in control anymore of the diary. It's just filling up too much. Yeah. So these are for me signals where I say, whoo, step back a little bit.
1: Yeah. This and that's the awareness,
0: you know, yeah. and and I've had it in the past. And that's where the awareness came from, where I wasn't aware of it. Mm-hmm. And I was sent home um, yeah. because it was just, it, it went beyond right. um, being stressed out. And I remember, I, I could say exactly the same as you have described yourself, go, 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 ambitious, you know, um, always making sure everybody else is okay and we have delivered our own goals and so on and so forth. And this moment, I still remember when my boss at the time said to me, uh, go home, sleep. It's like I can't do this. <laughs> and, and and I fell asleep right away because I was literally exhausted yeah and I think I slept I, I don't know it was a very very long time it was 14 hours or so uh but I really struggled then to slow down mm. even though I was off for a few weeks I had yeah. this constant battle of but I need to do something yeah because you yeah turn a habit became a habit of not being able to switch off anymore. You always yeah. need to be active with something. yeah. And that's a day is for me, a very dangerous habit still. yeah.
1: And the self-talk in that sense is a habit. Like, and and we have our habits for survival, right? Like, so you don't have to relearn to walk every time you walk, because you know how to do that. And you're not rethinking about it every single time. And you know from everything that I've read and, and absorbed on habits, our brain is wired to think this is important for survival. So if it's the three o'clock coffee time and you're like, ooh, nice to have coffee now. Or if you're if you're a smoker and you want a cigarette, like your brain thinks you need this for survival. And you're you can intellectualize that no, this is actually dangerous and killing me, <laughs> and yet those habits become habits. So if every morning you wake up and you're like, Oh, I wonder what happened. Got to check my social media. Got to check my email. Got to check this, got to check that. And then it becomes a habit and being aware of it, just being aware of it already starts shifting it, right? you already go, Oh wait, there's my little voice inside my head again. Is that really what I want to have right now? And you can start to change those. And then when you layer that identity of I'm a driven person, I accomplish, I'm, a, you know, I'm a results oriented, you know, as, as women, you know, we're going to break through that glass <laughs> ceiling, like it never yes. existed, you know, the whole thing, right? <laughs> Let's
0: break the quotas.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and it's always worked. Then when it stopped, you just stop working you go, what, what, yeah. but I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And actually it's okay to be, it's okay to just be sometimes and, and you can do too, but you can be intentional. You can decide this is when I be and this is when I do and it's okay.
0: You know what? I, I um, see a lot of guilt struggle in myself mm. and in others. Wonderful that you just brought up social media. I'm someone who's not scrolling right away in the morning, but I've unlearned it. I used to be someone who did that. And now a lot of the women I'm working with in particular, that's the first movement. And what I am noticing is when I see my phone blinking up and I see one WhatsApp coming in after the other, and often it's work groups where people are discussing stuff and there are loads of reactive responses right away, I'm like, I I need to respond. What will people think if I'm not responding now? But I had to unlearn this and I actually feel really inspired by people who may either have set boundaries in terms of I Mm -hmm. put my phone to the side because this is focus time, this is a meeting, whatever I'm up to now or I have time with my kid or whatever. And secondly, who also show therefore clear boundaries about how often do I connect with my phone, digital devices in general, in order to be more, be with myself or the energy givers. Yes. And looking at the screen is an energy drainer.
1: It is. Sometimes you get a really nice message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it's that ability to be present and to re- refocus you know. Meditation helps for that because you're training your mind to focus on what you want to focus on. Yeah. And going back to claiming space, like. If you're trying to set a boundary because somebody told you you should, I'm sort of thinking out loud here, but, you know, you're trying to set a boundary because somebody told you you should, then you're not claiming your space. That's something else for you to worry and feel guilty about. Of, Did I do it correctly? You know, is that is it is it the right boundary? What will people think? How are they going to react to it? As opposed to, you know what? I deserve to feel well. And when I feel well, I can help other people and I can be present for other people. And in order for me to be who would you want your pilot flying your airplane having been on 24-7? Mm-hmm. No, you want them to feel well, right? And they will fly your airplane much better When they're in a good state and there are even rules about how they have to take care of themselves. Right. So, so we're all deserving of having that. And then when you sort of go, right. So for me to feel well, I'm not going to look at my phone until nine in the morning or eight 30 in the morning Is something reasonable. I mean, you have to come up with something that's reasonable and yet encroachments like my Tuesdays are, you know, protected. Yeah. Because I'll feel I know I'll feel well and I know if they encroach if I start to let one here and one there and one there and then all of a sudden my Tuesday I'm going to be dead by the weekend and then I won't get some time spend time with my family and then my big stones have fallen apart so it's, you know, it's not about doing it because somebody told you it was a good idea to make a boundary it's really about protecting you know, I, I talk a lot about boundaries, but it's about protecting your priorities because you're deserving of that. It's about keeping yourself whole, keeping your keeping your integrity yeah. as a human.
0: And gosh, we need to publish that um, video of the teacher with the jar, the glass jar in his hand, uh, representing the big stones and the small gravel yeah. um, with the show notes. I think it's a wonderful analogy. You are Highlighting here by Stephen Covey exactly. um, that it's worthwhile seeing and delving into if you haven't seen it before. So, um yeah, I'm definitely going to share that as well. Okay. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah. Easy to engage on-demand content. Learn more at KathleenMerkel.com/innerprofessional. There are there are two things I am curious about, but most importantly, I want to share with the audience in order to raise their awareness a little bit more. The first one being harassment. Yeah. So we have literally kind of. Washed over it pretty quickly. Details. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bring you back. There. Major the elephant in the room. <laughs> Massive elephant in the room. In, yes. And I appreciate you can't disclose all the details, obviously. Mm. However, it is also a very important topic because there are people out there who experience harassment, may either not mm. see it as harassment or may not yeah. know how to deal with it, and how to go about it. And I think your story of harassment is actually very encouraging and inspiring, even though it may not have had in the moment the result that we all would have wanted to see and hear about. So as much as you can and want to share with the audience, what was the harassment situation? How did you notice it was harassment? How did you go about
1: it? There's how I went about it. And then there's now what I know. Those are two different things. So how I went about it was, you know, we had harassment training, well, anti-harassment training. Mm -hmm. We had policies. And looking at those, I realized that I didn't, you know, I had a work environment where I didn't feel well, where I felt intimidated, where I felt humiliated, where things weren't right. And, you know, I I would not be included in in meetings and emails. I, I, and these are things that I've seen time and time again. I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to share details that are specific mm-hmm. to my situation mm-hmm. because it's a sensitive That's sensitive funny. one. And yet the thing, the patterns that we that I see over and over and over again are, you know, people label somebody as a weak manager and then when you dive into it, you realize like they avoid meeting with you but then they will kind of not have your back. They won't support you, but then it's a crisis and they want you on and they want to be able to call you at any point in time. And can you do another report? Oh, you succeeded at that, add a report. you know. And these are patterns that transcend um, my situation and I certainly lived them. So in researching what the heck happened to me, <laughs> Right, Because how could this happen? I realized there are, you know, there are manipulation techniques and there are certain there's a certain proportion of the population and depending what you read is like one to six percent of people that have have personality disorders or have upbringings or whatever it is that causes them to behave in these very manipulative ways and it could be gaslighting where they try to alter your sense of reality or they, they um, lie and you don't expect people to lie, right? Like we're all very honest people and you don't think people are just going to outright lie. And then you yeah. realize they lied. What, <laughs> where was that? Okay. You know, <laughs> and, and um brandishing anger. Like most people, when they're angry, they're angry. And, People whose brains are wired a little bit different will display anger as a way for you to feel intimidated. And yet they've done it on purpose, but nobody would imagine they're doing it on purpose. But it has this intimidating effect of, wow, if they yelled about that, then how do I defend myself? And the best uh, description I, I had of it was from a book by in Sheep's Clothing by George Simon. And he was describing this covert aggression. And it's aggression, like you're in a fight, and your body knows you're in a fight, but you cannot quite put your finger on what that fight is. And that's where you trust your gut, like we have 100 million neurons in our gut, trust it, if, if something's feeling off, it's off, if you feel like you're in a, you know, in a, in a conflict, you're in a conflict, even if you're not like, well, that was obvious. Is that making sense? Yeah, a lot of sense.
0: It sounds to me a lot like
1: abuse. It really is. It really is. And the thing that I found, and the thing even with the book I just cited, was there's a large body of literature around abuse and domestic abuse. And it's exactly the same patterns. It's just that we haven't quite caught up in the workplace to be able to talk about them so openly. But the the quid pro quo and everything and how people are going to react when you raise it, the whole thing. It's the same story. It's the same story. It's the same behaviors. I mean, when you're really dealing with toxic and harassing people and as my daughter asked, does that make them bad people or just wounded mm-hmm. people? Not there to judge. Mm-hmm. The wounds are real. <laughs> you know, The wounds are real and we have to deal with those. And um, my, my uh, psychiatrist at the time, who is here in Switzerland, your psychiatrist does therapy as well as medical. I know it's different in different places. And uh, and he told me, you know, that of all the people like me that had come who had said, you know, I'm really burned out. I think I'm in a harassing situation. Like, this is what's going on. Can you help, like, give me some perspective? And one of the things that he told me was that because I came from a very healthy family, I wasn't prepared. I didn't have the weapons. You know, I didn't know how to navigate that kind of stuff. And maybe somebody that had navigated it their whole life would have navigated it differently or better. But the other thing that he told me was that in his 25 years of practice, he had one person come and say, I think I'm the harasser. I think I need help. You know,
0: I think I'm the harasser.
1: I I think I need help. Like these people don't identify as having an issue and so they don't get help they don't see it and and that that creates a whole you know a whole other realm of issues so
0: i wonder what organizations in particular systems can do in order to help the situation to raise awareness about mm-hmm. harassing behavior but also basically make sure It can be, I'm not sure, eliminated, but definitely reduced. And I I appreciate, and you know that probably better than I do, how many training initiatives there are, um, support hotlines and all of that. But does it do the job? You know, what's really needed?
1: Okay, so the good news is really top-performing organizations have exactly the opposite culture of what, what I was just describing. Like, it, again, if you're on a spectrum and there's really good stuff and there's really awful stuff, those are describing the really awful stuff. The really top performing or consistently, like it doesn't matter who you are reading, will describe, you know, low ego, high authenticity, high psychological safety. You know, we can just make a long list of all these very empathetic, authentic leadership, right? And those organizations get the best business results. So the good news is if you want really good business results, it really is about that leadership development that is going to build a healthier culture. And when you have a healthier culture, those bad apples won't stick around because there's no room for them, right? Adam Grant in Give and Take mm-hmm. talks a lot about the, 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 the top performers being these givers that aren't the doormats. They're the ones that are the, you know, the, the kind of that self-aware giving. And it's the takers that you know, that kind of uh, cause all these problems. And, and I, I think in his TED Talk about that, he said, if you get one of these apples, it can kind of spoil mm-hmm. the bunch. But if you have a strong enough culture, they won't stick around. And then you come into a scenario where, and this is something that I, I talk about a lot is the the results game versus the the power game. So if you're in it for a results game, like if we're saying these are great business results and you want you feel like you're measured on results and you're going to be getting great results and everything is going great and you're leading your team well and they're all collaborating and you're heading towards really good results. If you're in a culture of power game where the top tiers are playing, power trades, you need to find a place that isn't doing that. Right. And leave like, there has to be, if there really are 6% of people like this, let's take as a, as a number, but in that order of magnitude, then they got to work somewhere you know. and they're not getting help and they, you know, they deserve a salary too. So there's going to be some power game places where that kind of thing thrives and just like, I guess, don't work there, like recognize it for what it is and make a choice to find somewhere where there's more collaboration. So then you come to the middle set of organizations where you can make a lot of policies, but if you're letting this stuff seep in and you're not addressing it appropriately, then it it will expand, right? So it's really, to me, it's about that leadership culture shift with the benefit that you're actually going to get better results
0: those appropriate conversations were literally like uh, inside of me. I just wanted to share it for such a long time now well, because it's so important that we call it out. Yeah. I spoke to a leader yesterday who said, we need more honest conversations. Why has it changed? And now was obviously focused on the organization he is currently operating and that we are just avoiding those. Yeah. When did we become so overly careful? And obviously, overly careful, there is a very positive side to it, mm-hmm. i.e., we think about how we approach those honest conversations, what we're gonna say, not to make them personal, all of this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. But
0: avoiding those and not calling this behavior out, yeah. that's not the right way forward either, because no. it just uh makes this whole issue so much bigger. And it also shows to others it's accepted. Exactly. That
1: can't be okay. No, you can't. It cannot be accepted. You got to prune your trees and then they'll grow better. The line has to be clear because you have to allow failure, right? Like if you want innovation, you have to allow failure. So you have to allow people to make mistakes and honest mistakes and, and learn and grow from those without being shot down for them. And at the same time, there are lines that, you know, you really can't cross and when you cross those lines, then there has to be some really harsh consequences because you don't want that festering in your, cl- it creates such a disruption in a team when you have somebody like that. And then when they float up, you, you know, it's
0: so this time of harassment, medical leave, you were still in a very, very senior exec position in yes. that organization, CIO, and you made a brave decision at some point, didn't you?
1: Yes, there was a cascade and I moved out of that position and stayed a while. And the long story short is I wound up leaving. And there's a whole story behind that, <laughs> which I probably don't need to dive into. Um, but I wound up leaving and really giving some reflection as to what who am I, what's my future, what's my purpose, why why did I go through all this, mm-hmm. right? How can I may, use my skills and my, my talents differently and better and be in a, alignment with who I am? And I realized that of all the work that I'd done, like as a technical person, the part that I loved the most was really The leadership, the mentorship, the coaching, this helping people develop. And that's where I realized oh, I can do this on a bigger scale. Like I can do this with more impact. So it was sort of this this convergence of all of those things that I talked about with the reading of realizing wait, At one end of the spectrum we've got these amazing organizations and companies and then at the other end we've got these like really toxic things. And we've got people stuck in the middle and the the people who are stuck especially the leaders who are stuck is usually because they're trying to be ethical and they're trying to get things done and they're trying to and they they always They always say, I'm really good with people. Like my team really loves it. What's going to happen to my team, right? That was my worry too. What's going to happen to my team. And they've got all of this high EQ and this talent. And yet maybe they're stuck under one of these, you know, toxic people. So how do we get them out and get them performing? Because then we have better workplaces. Like then that creates an overall better culture for the world and better work and like, better home lives and better everything. So yeah. that, you know, that was where I where I shifted. Um, and I'd always dreamed of of starting a business. And that was the moment like, you know, at some point you just get kicked in the, <laughs> kicked in the behind and you're like, okay, I guess it's now, here we go. You know. Oh man,
0: seriously! Uh, according to my next podcast guest, I shouldn't say "oh man" anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or hey guys, but that's a completely different story. That's completely...
1: Um <laughs> a topic as well. I don't but... know what's better, "oh man" or "oh dear." I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just had this—you know—another one of those moments that I've had on plenty of occasions throughout this conversation today, where I feel so much put back into my own experiences. Oh. And this moment when you make this deliberate choice that in my case also moved from ego, but I had a certain position and I had a certain title yeah. and blah, 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 how I define myself towards, oh, this feels cool. For all the reasons you've yeah. mentioned, impact, actually seeing more of the patterns from outside, feeling for me definitely like a better person
1: yeah.
0: in any part yeah. of my life having freedom of choice. Um, and and we can talk about all of the challenges that come with it as well. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a completely different way of dealing with those challenges as well, because again, you have choices. Always. Um, yeah. And learning and growth. And suddenly you have this awareness of, well, I like this new identity <laughs> where it isn't about ego, where it actually is about let's create some amazing change in the
1: world. Exactly. Well, and I always had that because I was in, a, you know, in an international not not for profit organization, we always had that and I had a cool job, mm-hmm. like in 2011, when the, uh, when the revolution happened in Egypt, and we had staff in Cairo, and I was the first one to know there was a problem because telecommunications went down. And I had one of my guys from Geneva who was visiting there and I was on the phone going, okay, you need to get out, we need to get you to the airport now. And then we had a whole security situation where where um, I had to get our security officer on the ground there. We had moved our staff into a hotel. I had to set up a satellite box. I was on the lawn, like connecting things. I was I was trying to color code it for people who weren't technical. That yellow connect to yellow and green connect to green. And like so it was all going to work. So they were going to be safe. We were calling staff, you know. I had a cool job. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of what you're saying. Like you do get this kind of ego hit from, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm the CIO and I get to do all (laughs) these cool things. And have you seen my photos of me playing with satellite stuff like on the lawn and, you know, and our security guy had to tape the SIM cards to his belt because he was pretty sure the sat phones would be taken at the border and he was right, but he knew there were phones on site. I mean, it was a whole spy story going here, you know, and still now I, I have all that. And I get to make this deep shift in people and go, well, what part of that is my identity? Like what part of that is aligned with me and my purpose? And I'm a very creative leader. And that was being a creative leader. Right. And I can take that purpose with me and my next endeavor and make it bigger and better and, and amplify good things in the world. So, you know, It was a stepping stone. I I wouldn't be here if I hadn't gone through what I went through either. And I'm sure, you know, in your situation, you probably have a similar experience, right?
0: And, and, you know, I I am a real believer in one door closes, another one is going to open. I'm also a believer that we go through tough times and very enjoyable times in life. It's it's the, the cycle in life. But what helps me nowadays is I know if I go through challenges that feel really really tough I'm excited about what's to come. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That helps you as and and no fear. Mm-hmm. Like when you've been through this really rough stuff then you can I mean there are a few things that I would worry about and they're mm-hmm. very few. You know, and it's and then you want an energy boost let go of all the chatter of all the stuff that might mildly go wrong in your day. When you let go of that, man, you get a lot of time back, you know. Cuz you don't realize how much processing is just worrying about this and that and god. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, did Those I just say man, dreams. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to that one and find out why I can't say man.
0: You know? yeah. yeah. stay tuned. Stay I will tuned. stay tuned. Um I have so many more questions for you, but I also know we are running out of time. There is one, however, that I believe is very irrelevant. And that's about men and women
1: mm.
0: and how we are affected by this complex burnout mm. and how we are dealing with it.
1: Mm.
0: And I have my own few and heard from a few of the people I support as well.
1: But it's more about your experience. So how do you see the situation? that is a really interesting question. Let's start with women because I think I can make some uh generalizations in the patterns that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of the things I know you've spoken about and you know that 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 you've had on previous episodes taught you know we ha- all have this way that we've been raised you know to be the nice girl, to do things right, to be perfect, to all those things that you know, even if you've been not raised that way, it's still tacit. It's still in the society. It's still there. And we've all, you know, absorbed that narrative. So going back to our internal dialogue and our habits of our internal dialogue, I think looking at at how women perceive and would nor- naturally react in an aggression, like let's take an aggression, like we talked about covert aggression. If somebody is being covertly aggressive, there are women who will fight but many of us will go into flight or freeze, right? And and how we would claim that space is different, how we would be perceived claiming that space is different, et cetera. And then if we look at at men, you have your very sort of, I guess, typical um, top leader type guy, right? Who may even, because they've been, how they've been socialized, might even be more aggressive and it's okay to like take lots of space you know and push and push back and argue and all of those all of those things and then there's going to be a complement of men that have a very big sensitivity and have that uh more of the the flight or freeze response and they're lost like they're really aren't sure how to handle it because it's really like how is this reflective of my my masculinity you know and i'm not even getting into other genders but like you yeah. know there's there's you know, <laughs> coming from my background i could but it's you know there's 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 you know you've got the very and the women who are very strong and powerful and who might fight will be perceived differently. So there's, there's a whole big dynamic and it all goes back to our identities and what the stories we're telling ourselves. And, you know, like I am an achiever, or I am this, or I am that like all of those things that all of our I ams, we have all have to pay a lot of attention to because those will impact both how we're treating other people and then how we are reacting to how we're being treated and how effective that is.
0: I'm assuming men and women experience burnout or well, not just, I'm assuming I heard it from men yeah. and women in in terms of your clientele, just from your experience, do you support um, more men or women or is it a pretty equal share of people who approach you or in between genders, obviously? Well. <laughs>
1: um, so I support both mm-hmm. and I really have both in In my work. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say just out of chance, I seem to get more women approaching me probably because as as a role model, like Mm -hmm. somebody who's been there and done that, that, that people relate to and yet really not only. So it is it is both. And it's interesting because the men that do approach me tend to have that, like that sensitivity, even if they're in a very, like a lot of engineers come to me because I come from that technical and how did I move up, right? You know, so even very technical people, but there's that finesse, that sense of team, that sense of collaboration, that sense of wanting results, that sense of coherence, everybody that that comes to me and wants to work with me, like is sees those things as important,
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, they connect with you right away as well, right? Feel understood. What I keep hearing from the women that I'm working with, let it be groups or individuals, they come earlier on to me. Mm. Like I need to create more balance in my life, or if that's the right word, or I'm noticing that I'm back in this hamster wheel. The men, and there are fewer of them, but also to the nature of how Mm. I speak about the work I'm doing. Um, men come more to me like after it has happened right I actually figured it out later that it was burnout and I had to deal with it first of all my own Mm. and work my way through it mentally and actually realize what was going on and then learning that it's okay to talk about it and now we can do the work to Mm. avoid it going forward
1: yeah
0: or to recognize it sooner or something like that so that was for me very much eye opening, but the challenges are very, very similar. Yeah.
1: It, the, the the challenges are yeah, it is because it is that human interaction and it is the same same dynamics of what's going on outside and then what what's going on inside our inside ourselves. And I really see both. Like as I was looking at at who who comes to me, it really is like there's one group of people that it's I think I'm about to burn out and. I'm feeling unwell and I don't want my mental health to, and my physical health both to go downhill. And then there's a second group of people who are like, I've burned out. I'm reintegrating in the workforce. I've gotten, even maybe got a new job or not. I've come back to the same job, hoping things are going to be different. It could be either. And I think I'm going to do, I think if I don't change something, it's going to happen again. And I don't want that. So actually there's sort of those two phases and I haven't quite put my finger on why some people catch it early and some people have to go through one and have to go towards the second one, um, before they go, no, this, I'm tired of this, you know,
0: Sounds like a very appealing or interesting, interesting. research
1: topic. It is, <laughs> it is. I'm sure, you know, with, uh, over time, these things will become clear too. Out of
0: all the fantastic insights that you have shared with us, what's your one, Piece of advice that you want to leave the audience with? You're
1: enough. Especially as a leader, you have your purpose, you have your identity, you are you. And that is your gift. Like that is what you're going to uniquely bring. You are not a cookie cutter. You're not being hired for a set of skills. You're being hired for you. And you're out there in the world for you. And in your personal life, you're there for you. So step into you, develop that
0: thank you so so much so tell with the audience where people can find
1: you executivereflections.com and on linkedin you know, those are the, those are the easiest ways to uh to get in touch with me brilliant
0: and yeah thank i can you. highly recommend follow Sema on linkedin <laughs> it's brilliant and and real you know yeah. real it Seema, is, yeah. it's been such an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. There's some part of me or a piece of me that says, oh, we need to do that again. There's so much more <laughs> I want to know. But for now, I'm so grateful. You have been just marvelous here on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you to listen to your stories and hear about all your wonderful and really helpful insights. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Kathleen. It's been really a pleasure. And I just really appreciate what everything that you're bringing. And I love listening to your podcast. So I'm so just honored to be able to have this conversation.
0: Thank you. So I'm blushing, which thank God you can't see out there. (laughs) But for all the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in here today again. And uh, let us know what you have been taking away from today's shows and how we can obviously help. Contact Zima directly. Get in touch with either of us anytime we're here for you. But for now, have a wonderful remaining week. Take good care of yourselves. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music or on my website www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.